read a poem. Hello all and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. Well, Merry Christmas. Now that I know you have a PS4 in the house, um, all of the gifts are going to be video game themed. Well, it belongs to my roommate. I don't even know what sort of account I need to set up for this sort of thing. You won't need any account. I'll send you physical discs. Physical discs. Uh, what? Media. Uh, until the, the, this PS4 showed up, I don't think there was anything in the house that could play a physical disc. I know. Isn't it what? Oh, physical media. What is this? The Middle Ages? I don't, I don't, it might make me nervous just to touch it. <laughs> how do how do I deal with this? It's I, like an eight track. What? Oh, yeah. God, I mean, it's the touchy. only physical media I touch these days are books, and everything else, I'm just like, I, I, I don't oh. know what to do with it. This doesn't go anywhere. Oh God, it's shiny. I remember uh, I was on Reddit the other day, and a fella had found a functional laser disc player oh, yeah? at a thrift store mm-hmm. and he was elated because he could finally watch the Star Wars laser disc which i think is the height of nerdiness and so now finally han shoots first right yeah it's hard to get those old copies where that like <laughs> it, it hasn't been meaningfully edited there was an edit that they did where i think it was the special editions where everything was they added some new scenes, but they hadn't edited it to the point that, you know, shot, that Han, Greedo shot first or whatever like that. The things they added in were fairly meaningless. I wonder if that was the 1997 edition. I think so. I think, it was the, I think they were just called special edition. Well, nerd! Mm-hmm. I used to be real big into Star Wars when I was a kid. I still am really big into Star Wars. It's true. You are still very big into Star Wars. And I, I like it. I like it, of course. But I'm one of the people that, like, I don't get angry. It's like, oh, the sequels ruined everything. Oh, the prequels ruined... Dude, you are talking about a story where space ninjas with laser swords... Shut up. It's true. You can't really ruin that because you, you can tell a bad story. But, well, you know, I was about to say you can't really ruin it. And then I was like... What really drives me up the wall is when a prequel or a sequel or something screws with the storyline mm. of what came before it and sort of changes the version of events that happened. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know how you're going to retcon this. And then they just don't. Yeah, to anyone who makes that argument, I say... In 1983, teddy bears defeated train soldiers, so shut up. Fair, yeah. But I was of the age when teddy bears doing that was all the stuff that I watched. Teddy yeah, bears were and, always you know, defeating things. Also, gummy bears, can we just appreciate that? I wanted to drink that potion so badly. I actually didn't watch much in the way of gummy bears. For me, it was all uh, well, Care Bears. I also wanted to be able to do a Care Bear stare, but I, I never know. had a belly. That's pretty good. Well, well, what should, are we reading today? Speaking of childhood media, Russ, why don't you go first? Ah, all right. Well, I am reading Standing. Standing on my elbow with my finger in my ear, biting on a dandelion and humming kind of queer. While I watched a yellow caterpillar creeping up my wrist, I leaned on a tree And I said to me, why am I doing this? 
I feel like this poem is a lot of my existence. <laughs> Isn't it a lot of her? Why am I? This is stupid. Why am I? This thing makes me uncomfortable. Why am I doing it? Well, I think for me, I live my life in what a lot of people would regard as whimsy, you know, watching yellow caterpillars and stuff. And then once in a while, I stop and I'm like, oh, this is, wait a minute, this is weird. What I'm doing is strange and uh, might be off-putting to other people. And I chose this poem at a stretch uh, just because we're running out of poems in this book. (laughs) And this podcast was started as a therapy session. Mm -hmm. And I have often harped about Q on this podcast for reasons that well, should be evident to anyone by now. However, there was a development this week in that my sainted father, um, lifelong Republican, decided that uh, I was too much of a demon rat and he no longer wanted contact with me. Did he succumb to Q? Uh, I have no idea. The conversation started, apropos of nothing, uh, I he sent he started sending me texts about how evil socialized medicine was and how eventually the United States would fall to socialism, and uh, to which I replied, well, I've lived under, I've lived in two countries that had socialized medicine, and they've treated me fine so far, and uh, then he started ranting about how much I pay in taxes, and to which I replied that I pay the same in taxes that I pay in the United States, it's just it goes to healthcare instead of a bloated military economy and then he started ranting about how the military was the only thing keeping the wolves from the door Mm. and uh then it spiraled from there and how the and he refuses to say democrats it's always demon rats as is often the case with you know right-wingers yeah, and then it kind of spiraled from there, and eventually he questioned whether or not he had ever even had a son, and mm. then broke off contact, so, you know. I wonder why the these rant just sort of came up out of the blue, and like... Well, because he feeds on a diet of Fox News, and he is a... and the only outlet he has anymore is rage, and he needed a rage fix for that day, and, you know, I hope he got it. When you first told me about this, it made me so very angry... Uh, not that it should be about me and my anger, but this time of year is very difficult for me. Mm. It starts with Thanksgiving because that is the first day that when I was, uh, six years old, my mother went to the hospital for the first time and would mark the beginning of the end. Mm. And then the following year, it was also the first major holiday well, I guess except for Easter, which was a, we had a weird Easter that year. Um, it was the first major family holiday without my mother. So Thanksgiving has always been a difficult time of year for me when I have a lot of morose feelings about family and parents and grief. And uh, we're approaching the one-year mark of my father dying. Also, oh, That's the, true, isn't it? Wow. Also the one-year mark of me not going home for the first time in a very long time for Christmas because I didn't want to get or give anybody COVID. So I didn't see him at Christmas, which I did have every year except for one year when he went to visit my sister in New Zealand. Hmm. But, uh, you know, not so long after it would be his 80th birthday. And a few days after that, it would be the day that he died. At least once a day, I'm just devastated by losing him. And think about just how terribly I wish I could see him 
And I know that if he had any way, he would do everything in his power to see me again. And so the idea of your father willingly letting go of that connection just filled me with rage. It just... That's the... I mean, that's the poison of conservatism, isn't it? Where you where you choose a political identity over your family. Well, I mean, I, I, there are people also who are liberal who do that too. Although I feel it's like, true. I feel like the I, I feel like the of course being a liberal, I feel like oh, you know, you are standing up for the oppressed, and therefore when you cut off your family for being racist or not giving a, getting a COVID shot or whatever, that this is justified. And, you know, you always want to assume that you're the exception. And I can take peace in the fact that I wasn't the one that said, I never want to see you again. But all the stuff that he was ranting about and that he got angry about doesn't apply to the United States. Like, his whole rant was based on, here's how evil socialized medicine is. Mm-hmm. And he lives in Texas. Right. I mean, I don't even, like, what do you say to that? It would be like me, I can't even think of a good comparison. It would be like me ranting about how it's it's unjust for me to have to wear Canadian flag underpants. And you're like, but that doesn't happen to you, Russ. And I'm like, I know, but it's illegal. Like, what are you even talking about? Well, I mean, just like Q has a lot of people thinking that the government is full of people running a pedophile ring. I remember back to Obamacare and when the Tea Party was thinking there were going to be these death panels. Well, we have death panels. They're called triage. Oh, right. And my dad didn't pass it. There have always been death panels. That's true. <laughs> They're not really panels either, though. It's called medicine. Right. <laughs> When you show up at a car crash, you don't try and save the people whose heads are lying in a separate position from the rest of their body. Right. But yeah, triage where you choose the people who are more likely to make it. And as I said last year, with my dad uh, was not necessarily likely to make it. He was quite old. And because COVID had overwhelmed the hospitals, the, he was triaged that he was going to be the one that died. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he probably, if he had, he probably would have been, he probably would have chosen that if it came to him and other people. My dad is now 75. And I mean, with the number of health conditions he has, I'm sure he'll he'll live a few more years. But I wonder if the rage is worth it. Like, I wonder if owning the libs is worth dying angry and alone. No, it's definitely not. But I think that's not... But I mean, in in his mind. Well, no, I don't think he expects to die angry. I think he he expects... expects, I wonder. I mean, I think he expects that other people, and and a lot of other people, they expect that everybody else will see the the light and see how very right they were, and they'll be vindicated. Or maybe they want to feel that they're... They may die angry and alone, but they're dying for what's right. I think about the crucible comes to mind because one of the things that Arthur Miller has the character saying at the end was, you know, all I have left is my name. My, in other words, my honor. Like I would, I would rather die with my honor than, than live 
in dis- dishonor and that's the way a lot of Americans think they are they think that they'd rather they'd rather live with this they'd rather die with honor than live with dishonor they think that I that's not really the way it is at all but that's what they think what enemy are they fighting well I mean the libs <laughs> well in the case of uh it was the Puritan church uh in the case of well, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I've read The Crucible, but right. I mean, like, we're, we're, we're a, a few years past right, that. Right, <laughs> It's a fun thought process, and I mean, it's almost like I'm mourning him early. So there's a term called ambiguous loss, and it was coined by a person named Pauline Boss. And it's something I've lived in for many, many years, because it's when you are expecting the loss of a person, but you're not able to confirm it. And in my case, it was my aunt and then Jenny and then my father being sick with cancer and dying. And so when someone has significant health problems, you know you're losing them. You know that you're losing them. And so you're grieving all the time, even though they're still Mm. with you. And then there's another sort of loss where with the type of loss that I was experiencing, it's when they are mentally there, but physically not. And then there's another way in which they can be physically there and mentally not, for example, dementia. And then there's a different way they can be sort of psychically there, but physically not. And that is when someone is missing for one reason or another. In some cases, that's because their soldiers missing in action. In some cases, that's because... They've removed themselves from your life for one reason or another. And so they haven't died, but they're also not there completely. A lot of it is... And of course, I'm coming from a place of emotion here, and maybe later in time I'll feel differently. But I wondered if I would accept an apology. And again, this is, it's coming from a place of pure emotion, but at this point, the apology, I would require would be so debasing that no one would ever accept the terms and almost like payback where it's like well you're going to give me an ultimatum i'm going to give you a worse ultimatum kind of a thing what would it be oh every every dehumanizing thing i could think of Uh, the, the apology would make him less than the meanest animal like it would it would require kneeling and Forswearing against everything he's ever believed in his life, and it would be, and I would film it, and be it would be awful. Like it would, it would be in, it would be an inhuman apology. Apologies are never really enough. What I'm always looking for when I want an apology for someone is atonement. Oh, but he he doesn't. I don't even think he knows how to introspect. Yeah. Like even even if I were to ever speak to him again, he would deny that all of this ever happened. Right. And then if I sent him screenshots, he would say, "Well, that's not what I meant." It, like have fake you, news. Have you heard the narcissist prayer? No. You should look that up. Oh no, I have seen this. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, it's not that big a deal. And if it was, it's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. If I did, you deserved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have a poem? (laughs) Yeah. So this is love. Aw. Ricky was L, but he's home with the flu. 
Lizzie R.O. had some homework to do. Mitchell E. probably got lost on the way. So I'm all of love that could make it today. I was inches away from doing that one. I, there were a few that I thought would be appropriate for what I knew we would be talking about today. And the drawing for this is uh, someone with medium-length hair holding up a sign that says V, and there's only them. I'm here to show up. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, hmm, I, I'm, but, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. But in the end, all you can say is, I, uh, maybe he'll be happy in the life he's chosen. He won't. There's no happiness in that much anger. I'm all of love that could make it today. <laughs> yeah. Or in my case, the letters would all be dead. <laughs> I hadn't told him I was coming home for Christmas yet. Well, that'll be interesting once he hears you're there. He'll know that what he said actually... See, I think he's hoping that you'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I will change to be who you want me to be. <laughs> and... That's what he's hoping will happen. And everyone wants to be the hero of their own story, but God, I have read over that conversation a thousand times, and I cannot pinpoint one thing that I did wrong. I mean, you're expecting right and wrong to be an objective thing rather than... Yeah, I know. Rather than... I'm trying to approach it from a place of logic, and that's that's silly. Right. (sighs) Anywho, yeah, um... There's nothing. There really isn't anything. I mean, like, there's no solution. There's no making it better. There's no... Let's just move forward. Yeah. You can't help but seek your parents' approval, I suppose. Yeah. And in spite of all else, and the reason I chose standing was because, you know, at what point do you stop pretending there's an elephant in the room? And I suppose he made the choice for me. And I never would have broken off contact had he he not told me to but i mean you could just be like understand you have differences and like love the other person and they like agree never to talk about it and that was my approach right but then his way was to pick fights so so he would he would send inflammatory articles and be like what do you think of this and it's like, well, that's not my experience, but go off, I guess. And but that wasn't good enough. Like, right. it's it's a rage addiction. If you didn't respond in kind, yeah. So he needs validation. He'd get mad about that. Yeah. Or ignoring was the worst. Like if mm. you like if you ever ignored one of his texts, he would just spam you with like question marks. <laughs> oh man, that's how I deal with pretty much anything that I don't want to deal with. Is I just ignore it. Yeah. Uh. Do you know? No. I always ask you for uplifting things. Yes. And today I'm going to share an uplifting thing. And it is, and I made this observation (laughs) uh, because I live in the Pacific Northwest and it's a Sunday. I went out for brunch today. Cute. Um, And I realized that every third person I saw was wearing Doc Martens mm-hmm. of some shade. Yeah, they're pretty. They're fairly practical for uh, wet weather. And when I lived in Dallas, I bought a pair of Doc Martin boots, and I loved them. Like, they were the most practical shoe I've ever owned in my entire life, and I wore them out like 
half a dozen times. And universally, everyone was like, you look like a little lesbian. And I was like, what are you See, talking about? These are great boots. At this point in and your life, that's something you aspire to. And it, 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 with with my frame and my haircut, definitely. Yes. But then today, I was like, holy crap, I can wear Doc Martens straight-facedly. And so then my aunt texted me. I was like, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, a pair of Doc Martin Chelsea boots. And so now I'm going to, I'm going to get my awesome. boots back. Yeah, and I, I think some of the reasons you don't see Doc Martens that much in Texas is they're not as weather appropriate as they are for where it's cool and wet. Be little lesbians, everyone. I know. <laughs> well, uh, but some people are big lesbians. <laughs> <laughs>